Happy Monday. I am so pumped about this episode. I had the honor of recording with Grant Mosier, who is the founder of Guy Talk, a, a nationwide community of men helping each other talk openly about all things mental health um, and just, you know, open up and be more vulnerable because that's obviously such an important part of being a human and um, being a man. So um, I'm really pumped about this and you should definitely check out Guy Talk. Um, to learn about all the incredible things that they're doing. Uh, but before I dive into my conversation, I wanted to quickly talk about uh, Talkspace because they're my sponsor and my employer, and they're awesome. Um, Talkspace is the number one counseling ser- online counseling service, and you get matched with a therapist based on all of your specifications, um, You know what you're looking for, especially in you know, this virtual age where you know people are working remotely. It's so convenient to have therapy in your pocket. So to get started, you can just go to Talkspace.com and use my code Zoe at checkout for $100, $100 off your first month of therapy. So $100 off, huge deal. And uh, yeah, there's really no harm in giving it a shot because I think everyone should, you know, try out therapy as Grant and I talk about in this episode. I also wanted to give a quick preview for my next episode, um, which is with the founder of Grief and Groundwork. Uh, she is absolutely incredible and you can get started by kind of checking her out on Instagram. Um, Madison is wonderful. Her website is Madison Shea, dot com, uh, where she talks about what she does at Grief and Groundwork. And you can also check out Grief and Groundwork on Instagram to learn about the incredible um, coaching work she's doing to help people really feel all their feelings. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to get this episode started. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Grant Mosier, who is the founder of Guy Talk, a nationwide community of guys helping each other talk openly and become better men. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk. Me too. Um, so if you don't mind just starting out by telling me a little bit about yourself, where are you from, how old are you, where'd you grow up, what's your story? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a 30-year-old uh, kid from Ohio, grew up in a small little town, Northeast Ohio. I was the, the sensitive kid, had a really awesome family, um, but I was always physically way smaller than everybody else and uh, kind of had a hard time growing up, finding my lane, figuring out who my real friends were, um, what I really you know wanted out of my life. Um, and then ended up transferring high schools from a, you know, Northeast Ohio, I had, I think, 80 kids in my class, transferred uh, high schools down to Columbus, three hours away, uh, with close to 500 people in my class. And wow. so a huge jump, huge adjustment, didn't know anybody there. Um, but that's where I, I kind of uh, found myself in, in uh, I'm not sure it was really the, the most authentic version of myself, but I created this persona when I moved to that school. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, kind of carried that persona throughout high school, college, and most of my 20s. And it wasn't until my late 20s that I was finally able to kind of break free from that persona. Um, so here today, loving Austin, Texas, moved here three years ago, uh, financial advisor by day, uh, primarily helping dentists and doctors with their investments and retirement planning. Um, but then uh, evenings, weekends, all free times dedicated to guy talk and building up this, this community for guys. Really excited about it. 
Love that. So curious, just like on your personal life. So are you like, do you have siblings? Yeah. Youngest of four boys. Uh, I've got a, uh, two sisters and one brother. Nice. Yeah. The youngest. And what was the persona you created? Uh, so I'd gone from, you know, this, again, this, this sensitive, uh, really nice kid growing up that was, I would say I was in the, what I called like the cool crowd that I wanted to be in growing up, you know, um, played sports, but I was always kind of the last one in, you know, at mm-hmm. that first high school, I was always, I would make the sports teams, but I'd always be the guy sitting on the bench until, you know, the last couple minutes of the game. Um, I would, I would have a spot at the lunch table, the cool kids lunch table, but I was, you know, I kind of had to fight for that spot. And I was picked on a ton, you know, um, never really physically, but just more like the emotional uh, bullying that I had to deal with. And uh, so when I transferred high schools, um, I was very fortunate to have hit a big growth spurt that summer as I transferred and didn't know anybody at this new high school three hours away. So I kind of I knew I could kind of have a fresh start, whoever you want, um, which I think could have gone really well. But uh, I decided to take it kind of the opposite end of the spectrum and go from being the the sweet, sensitive kid who was bullied to all of a sudden now I'm going to show that I'm the man you know, made the football team, got pretty, pretty big, muscular, and just kind of became that the bully who, who picked on other people. And I'm sure made a lot of people feel not very good about themselves just because I, w- I had been hurting for so long. And I wanted to prove that I was, you know, the man. Yeah. I feel like that's such a common story, like even looking at movies and stuff, but it's cool that you have the self-awareness to kind of reflect back on that and, and know that, you know, you were projecting like your inner, like things you didn't like about yourself and sure. then probably taking that on, on others, you know? Oh, for sure. It was all, it, you know, it's, it was so insecurity based. And that's mm-hmm. why I think now, because I feel like in you know, my late twenties, I, I leveled out and kind of found my lane right in the middle of the two personas, if you will, um, to where I really am and who I really am. But I think it gives me so much greater empathy for when I see guys, especially who are, you know, projecting loudly in one way or the other, I have so much empathy for them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I understand the guys who are bullied and I understand the, the ones who are trying to be out there being the bullies because I know that deep down they're probably just really hurting inside. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's cool that you, you know, with, with what you're doing now that you're able to have that experience to pull from. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It served me well with building not guy talk and be able to relate to the guys. It's really neat. So I'd love if you could kind of explain, you know, the story behind Guy Talk and how it began. It sounds like you had a, you know, transformative, like later, late 20s-ish yep. year from just what, yep. you, what you were saying. I wonder if you could kind of go into that, like what that looked like. Did it align with when you moved to Austin? Yeah, for sure. So um, when I was, uh, I was about, tw- I think, 27 or 28, back, this was back in 2018, um, I quit my day job as a financial advisor back in Ohio and cause I'd saved up some money and I wanted to go start my own business. And it was basically financial coaching for young professionals and it's kind of lifelong dreams. You know, I'm finally going to go achieve this, this vision of myself that I've always, I've always had inside that, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur in my life, you know? And so finally in 2018, I had a chance to go do that and, um, was really at that time still very insecure with myself. And so on social media all throughout 2018, I was posting all these, all these posts about, business is going great. It's allowing me to travel everywhere. You know, I spent two weeks out in LA and Hollywood. I did two weeks like solo road tripping through the Carolinas, um, came down to Austin in August of 2018. And just the whole time I'm just, I'm just projecting this persona of things are great. You know, I left my day job and I'm one of those guys who was able to crush it as an entrepreneur on my own. Right. And so with that, you know, Instagram was getting a lot of positive feedback is getting a lot of likes on my posts. A lot of people writing to me about how you know jealous they are. I'm like, dude, you're crushing it. Um, and because I was so insecure and I, I craved that attention so much, I just rolled with it. I kept that going. 
And so when I came to visit Austin that August, I just fell in love. And I thought, you know, everybody I knew I talked to in Ohio wanted to move to Austin. That was mm-hmm. kind of like, you've made it if you've moved to Austin. And so I was like, you know what? I can. And so I'm going to. Um, and so I, I made the jump down here in uh, that fall, October of 2018. And, you know, again, kind of full of, of false confidence. Back in, you know, Ohio, I had, I had plenty of friends because I'd built up this, you know, social group and kind of knew my lane, knew my role up there and, and had no problem having a, a community um, and feeling, you know, quote unquote popular. So I thought there wouldn't be any change. And I moved to Austin. I thought I'd move down here to this really cool city. I would fit in great. I'd make a bunch of friends and, and have the time of my life. Uh, and needless to say, it, it didn't go as planned. You know, I think I, I relate a lot to your story of moving to New York, New York. Yeah. And um, just how in your mind you think it's going to go one way, but moving to a new city, especially as a, as a young adult is really tough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, things really took a downward spiral that fall. Um, to the point where I was trying everything I could think of to make friends, um, and really, really struggled. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't connect with the people that I did meet at the gym or whatever, and just really felt like I was missing community all the while my business was failing, you know, I'm projecting that I'm crushing it financially and business wise, but, but it it was failing for sure. I was running out of money. I was almost out of money. Um, and Austin's not a cheap city to live in. Um, and then also went through a a breakup there at the end of, um, 2018, beginning of 2019. And so just all of a sudden, January, 2019, um, right before my 28th birthday, things just all sort of fell apart on me. You know, this persona that I was projecting, I knew I couldn't keep that up anymore. You know, I, I felt alone, unloved in the new city, especially because I had just gone through the breakup and I didn't feel like I had, I had opened up to anybody. Nobody really knew what I was going through, so it made me feel really isolated. And it led to a, about a week or so of just really dark uh, depression and suicidal thoughts where I just, I was thinking a lot of different ways of how I could take my life and just make the whole thing end. And so grateful I didn't because flash forward, you know, two plus years now, uh, life is amazing. And, and I'm so grateful I kept going. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, I relate to that so much into, in moving to New York, kind of, as you mentioned, and I think a lot of it is like these preconceived notions we put on cities or lifestyles or just communities that we, like when we go into something that too overly confident about you know what it will be that's definitely what led to like my depression in New York was like I had this just confidence that I would go there and hang out with all my friends from different walks of life and we'd all be best friends and like literally be in an episode of sex in the city like live in large and then you get there and I can't afford anything and like I live in a shoebox apartment and I just can't go and like it's it's hard when you your dreams like or it's hard when you just like you know you have a picture of something and it just doesn't come true right um and whereas like when I moved to Austin later and like after that experience and I kind of went in with literally no expectations it was like you know what this will be an experience I'm not you know I can stay as long as I want I can leave and then if I make friends great if I don't I'll go back home afterwards and like luckily the former came true and I made such amazing friends but yeah I mean I guess what was the turning point like what pulled you out of that depression yeah great question and real quick to your point I think it's I've struggled with in the past where I feel like a new environment or new situation or new job will will fix the mental stuff going on in my head you Mm -hmm. know like I'm feeling down so I'm going to change jobs or I'm going to I'm going to change cities and that city the external environment is going to change me and fix me you know I'm going to feel great but I've learned, you know, for better or worse, that 
wherever you go, you got to take yourself with you, you know? And so coming here and I'm sure for you, you know, if you come with the right mindset, then you're going to be in a good place. But yeah, I've stopped expecting other people or other cities, locations, uh, to, to change my mindset for me. Um, but yeah, the, the turning point for me was, was getting to a point where I was, I was at the end of my rope, you know, and I hadn't, I'd been in such isolation. I was talking to people, I was talking to my friends and family, but it, it wasn't about what was really going on. It was still mm-hmm. projecting that persona. And that's why I felt so scared to open up because it wasn't, it wasn't just to share that I'm struggling and, you know, feel like, like a weak man or whatever, but it was also the fact that I had spent the past year just building this persona in a completely different direction to where I felt like I'd just been lying to people and lying to myself. And so that was just a really hard pill to swallow. Um, and it, it kind of culminated one night. I went over to, a, to, I think it's called Book People, the bookstore on uh, yeah. North Lamar, yeah, right yeah, there yeah. By, uh, by downtown, by Whole Foods. And I was just, again, at the end of my rope. And, and my way in the past of solving things when I was feeling really down would be to like personal development, you know, dive into goal setting or, or some kind of, you know, you know just re- hard, hard reset through personal development type stuff. And I thought that maybe this could be my, my chance to do that. So I went there looking for some kind of motivational book, you know, personal development, goal setting book, whatever. Didn't really have an agenda. I just knew that I needed to do something because I was in a really bad place. And the one book that stood out to me, kind of caught my eye on the shelf, was a book called What Made Maddie Run. Have you heard of that book at Mm-mm. all? Um, it, it's a really well-written book. An ESPN analyst wrote the book um, about a, uh, a former college athlete, a beautiful girl who, who went off to college to, to run uh, cross country there. And, you know, from the outside looking in, had a ton of friends, great family, you know, um, everything was going her way, but she ended up taking her own life when she was uh, in, in college. And it was this whole kind of backstory of her life after she took her life, you know, the, the family granted this ESPN writer uh, permission to kind of have a full access to, to Maddie's phone, computer, old text messages, journal, everything like that. And just kind of kind of uh, unwinding everything that really was going on in Maddie's life, um, especially leading up to her final days. And I remember sitting there starting that book and just almost like I like blacked out sitting in this couch at book people. Um, I remember I kind of like snapped back to life, like just, and I looked down and I'd been crying on the book. Like I was, I was pretty deep into the book at that point. Um, no idea how much time had passed, but I knew like, oh my gosh, if I don't, if I don't do something, then like, my life is going down the exact same path that hers is going. There were so many similarities between her final days and mine. And that was terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, and so I went home, bought that book, went home that night, finished it, uh, stayed up late to finish it and just cried like crazy and just realized like, oh shit, like, I am, I am at the end of my rope here. Something needs to change. And, uh, called my best friend. I, you know, I was so nervous. I called my best friend also named Grant out in San Francisco and, for the first time ever, I opened up and, and he's like, Hey, what's up, man? And, and I just, I lost it and just emotionally crying to him. Um, just told him, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, man. I'm in a bad place. And, uh, you know, I, I was really afraid, but the thing I was most afraid of was, was, was judgment or silence or, or just, a, you know, awkwardness after having that conversation, but there wasn't, you know, he was there for me. He said, man, like that had been really hard for you to share and we're in this together now and like let's just start the rebuilding process and he was there for me um and i didn't realize how much i needed that and so the weight was just off my shoulders at that point then i called my parents the next day shared with them a little bit um and but it wasn't for a couple months until i felt comfortable really sharing the depths of my story with the public uh but but sharing it with my one best friend who i you know know love and trust was the huge turning point for me i'm so grateful for that wow i mean that takes so much courage on your part and also just it really shows that your friend has like done the work because 
I know there's, and like, I'm, I'm going to ask you like questions about this later, but it's, you know, hard when you get that call too. Like if you aren't prepared or if you haven't, aren't in the mental health space already to know how to respond in a way that you're, that you, you know, think will be helpful, that is validating. It's, right. it's a lot. So it's amazing that you, you know, have that friendship and like that you found the right book at the right time, made the right call and all of that. It, wow. Also, sorry, I'm really into astrology, <laughs> but when's your birthday? First question. January 29th, 1991. Aquarius? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, also, what's I think so interesting is, I don't know if you know much about astrology, but <laughs> there's like two different things. Like there's a Saturn return and the Jupiter return. I think Saturn return is when you're 28 and Jupiter returns when you're 23. But they're basically like two times in your life where like you kind of reset and like, and it's like a big turning point in your life, either when you're 23-ish or 28-ish. Wow. So, like, I think my Saturn, or I think the Jupiter returns first. The Jupiter return, like, that definitely was when I just had a whole shift in perspective, like, had my depression, came out of it, changed my life. And then, you know, it sounds like you did the same. Yeah, yeah, right at 28. That's wild. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, interesting. You said right before your 20th birthday. Yeah. Um. So... Now, what or how long after that did you start Guy Talk, and what was the mission behind it? Yeah, good question. And I do want to touch on what you said about you know, good for my friend for for you know putting in the work. But I think the I feel like there's a lot of pressure out there to to feel like you have to, especially for guys. I've had this conversation with guys a bunch, and guys like to think that we need to fix everything. You know, mm-hmm. in, in your relationship, if there's a problem. We feel like okay, well, let's figure out the solution X, Y, and Z, and this is how we can fix it. Uh, but I, I simply don't think that's true. And I, that's something I've had to work on with my own relationship with my girlfriend is I don't need to fix everything. Um, so when my, when I called my friend with, with, and shared him, basically unloaded my problem on him, like, man, I'm really struggling X, Y, and Z is going on. This is just a really dark place for me. He didn't try to say, okay, let's, you know, grab your notebook. Let's start like making a list of action steps. It was the farthest thing from that. He just was there. He's like, man, I'm here with you. And, and he, I think we even talked about it where, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know what the future looks like. Neither of us really know what the future looks like. He doesn't know the, the right next steps, neither did I. But he he knew that he was going to be there to love and support and listen, you know, and that's all I could ever ask for. So I think, yeah, if, if you're the person who receives that call or feels like you need, you know, feel like you need to reach out to somebody and actually, uh, you know, check in on them, don't feel like you need to know all the answers, you know. Mm-hmm. I think just just being there to love and support somebody and help them find the next step is the key key piece. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, your question was how, how long before I started Guy Talk, and uh, I think it was April fifteenth, twenty nineteen, is when I when I put up the very first like walk and talk selfie video on the new Instagram page. That was GuyTalk.co. So that's our that's still our page, but. I'd been sitting on that video for weeks, you know, I'd recorded it, uh, probably early April after thinking about it for, you know, since the end of January. Um, kind of the cool thing that had happened is, is actually the week after my, my super low point, I made the commitment to go check out, uh, ATX sprint squad. Have you heard of sprint squad here in Austin? Mm-mm. It's like, a, uh, it's coming back actually in July, but it had to get shut down during COVID, but it was a Saturday morning sprinting meetup where it's oh, like wow. a very social thing. Like hundreds of people would show up at Zilker, uh, loud music playing and we just run sprints together but it's it's all about like the, the friendships you're making on the walk back from the sprint you oh, know? I love that um, so it's so cool and a uh, really neat thing so I, I made the commitment to kind of you know this is my last shot I really want to want to take one more effort at making friends here 
So I went to the sprint squad one Saturday morning and ended up meeting a few buddies there and we just instantly hit it off. And it just, it, it's kind of is a good reminder to me that like sometimes when you're at the end of your rope, like things can change just like that, you yeah. know, when you need it most. And so I made some really good friends. All of a sudden things started to shift for me. I was having more open conversations with these new friends and letting them know what was going on. Um, and they, they loved and accepted me for it, which was such a relief, you know, cause I'd spent so much of my twenties just projecting this persona because I was afraid of that resentment. So they kind of helped me d- develop some courage. You know, obviously I had to take the, the steps myself, but having their support as friends was huge because two or three months later, April 15, 2019 is when I posted that first selfie thing. And I said, Hey guys, you know, it's Grant, uh, here's what's really been going on. And for the first time ever, I publicly shared the depression, the suicidal thoughts, how my business failed, the breakup, all that stuff. And it was a huge like wave of emotion that night. You know, I remember posting it in the afternoon or evening and that night, by the end of that night, I had close to a hundred DMS from people. Um, wow. A lot of them from, I would say 25 or so of them from people sharing their own issues with, with depression or even suicidal thoughts. And a lot of them said, you're the first person I'm telling this to. And honestly, that was so heavy. Like I felt like sick to my stomach that night reading everybody's stories because I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people out there hurting and struggling that we don't even know about, you know? And so I'm glad I kind of started, started the conversation. We've done so much since then, but that was the first night, April 15th, 2019. I'll, I'll always remember. Wow. No, it's, I mean, I, I completely know the feeling. I'm such a big like believer in all it takes to really get, you know, someone to share is just like vulnerability is so powerful. And if you open the door or let like your walls down, people will walk right through and come right right to you. And like, I've, I've experienced the same thing with my podcast. Like I've had people reach out to me who I haven't talked to in like 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like 15 years, but like, and it's so, and it just like, it's such an undescribable feeling like that really putting your pain into purpose and showing that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And that allows people to feel like they can come to you because you've just opened yourself up a little bit. Right. Completely agree with that. Um, but all, and also just, it's so cool that you were able to, you know, you kind of talked about earlier or you talked earlier about how you, you know, put up this persona when you made that move to Columbus and made like your first impression be like this guy who just wasn't you. And then yep. your first impression with Austin with these new friends was like your true authentic self. And yeah. the fact that they came to you with open arms is like, that's how I feel about my other friends I made in Austin. It's like trauma bonding, but <laughs> like, yeah. yep. but in the best way possible. And just, I feel like I've known these, the people I've, I've met who I've only known really like three or four months. I feel like I've known them my whole life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think if I look back at friendships over the time, you know, over my twenties and I, I remember being so afraid that if I really showed my current friends groups who I really was, that they would, they would leave me. I wouldn't have a spot at their table anymore, so to speak. Again, going back through all my work with my therapist, kind of learning about my, my high school lunch table experience and how much that shaped me. But my biggest fear was like losing my spot at the table, you know? And so I just kept that persona up. And, and I think that's a, a big fear a lot of us run into um, is, you know, well, what if I reveal what, what's really going on, who I really am with the people closest to me? And there's such a fear that you're going to lose those people. And I would say more often than not, I've found that those people, if, if they're the real ones, you know, if they really love you, you're not going to lose them. If anything, mm-hmm. it's going to bring you closer. Um, but I will say also, you are going to lose some friends. When you, when you get real about who you really are and what's really going on in your life, 
you're definitely going to shift some some of your social circles, some of your, your relationships are going to change. And I think that's for the best because if, if you're going into a relationship or building a relationship based on false pretenses, then you know it's, it's not going to end up anywhere fulfilling, I think. So I, I'm big on just presenting who you really are, you know, scars and everything, and, uh, and the real ones will stick around. 100%. I also think those people who aren't ready to accept you for things that have to deal with mental health or, you know, being really raw, it's just a projection of things that, you know, they ha- aren't ready to deal with or confront or accept about themselves and I it's I mean it's hard because I'm definitely a person who like I want everyone to let I'm I find the balance of like being a people pleaser but also accepting that not everyone will love me and it's over time I've realized like at the end of the day if this person like is weirded out by like a post I have about you know mental health or something at the end of the day it's just something they're just dealing with on their own and I have to give them some compassion and some grace to right. wait until they're ready to um, confront that, which would hopefully be sooner rather than later. Right, but. right. I don't know about you, but I think I've found that some of my, my deepest, best relationships nowadays are with people who either have gone or are actively going to, to a therapist or oh, done yeah. the work, right? <laughs> and it's, it, you know, not that people who don't go to, I don't connect or don't like people who haven't gone to therapy, but I found there's a whole new level of just, just self-awareness and self-love from people who have and, and have kind of dug through all that stuff themselves. And when you love yourself and it's so much easier to love everybody else, you know, is what I found. So a hundred and fifty percent. That's literally my job is selling therapy. And like I when I was applying, I was like, I do this all the time. Like I don't get paid for just telling my friends and right. family members to go to therapy. So I think I I think I'd be good at it. Yeah. So. You actually believe in it, which I do too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm gonna kind of just read off some quick mental health stats for men because I think the like I mean I'm a I'm a huge mental health advocate in all in all spaces but a lot of what's personal to me is how much more suicide affects men than women yeah. just because they're not willing to confront that vulnerability and because of the loss I endured with like my friend um, taking his life in 2017 so um, I'm just going to read off these stats from mindwise.org Nearly one in 10 men experience depression or anxiety. I feel like that number is... That feels low. Really low, yeah. yeah. Probably like severe. Uh, men die by suicide three and a half times more likely. They're more often than women. About um, six in 10 men experience at least one trauma in their life. And 49% of men feel more depressed than they admit to people in their life. So from your experience, experience having guests on Guy Talk, why do you think this is? Great question. <laughs> if you know. Uh, yeah, but I, mean, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. You know, I won't pretend to know exactly why. I think it's different for everybody. But I do know that there's, you know, just like females have a certain certain set of pressures and expectations from society, guys have the same. And, you know, they're, they're not the same, but guys have guys also have pressures and expectations. And one of our biggest ones is to always appear strong. Do whatever you can to appear strong, physically, mentally, whatever it takes. Um, and a lot of times that, that manifests in pretending it's all good. You know, that's, that's kind of the thing is how's life? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. You know, I'm good. How are you? Or, or, you know, guys take even further project in a big way. I I call it peacocking, you know, like shaking your tail feathers and guys say, Oh, I'm great. I'm crushing it. You know, like I did in 2018 and most of my twenties, honestly, uh, where guys go over the top to talk about how great their life is. Um, when in reality, you know, we all struggle with stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's this notion of feeling like you can't, you can't, uh, open up because it'll make you weak. 
Uh, I, I would argue that it's cliche, I guess, but I would argue that the people who or who are brave enough to, to, to step up and say, yeah, I'm struggling. I need some help. Can you help me out? Or can, you know, can somebody else help me out? I think that's the most courageous, brave thing somebody can do. Um, so I, I, I won't pretend to know exactly why our, the male suicide rate is almost four times higher than females, but that is alarming to me. And that was a huge, uh, when, I, when I found that stat out, that was actually a huge uh, turning point for what I wanted to create with Guy Talk and turn it into not just an Instagram page or a podcast, but also a nationwide community for guys where we could bring guys together and actually help build build those, that brotherhood, that friendship you know, between guys. Um, because with that, if we do it in the right way, I believe that that lends itself to having meaningful conversations about the stuff that really matters and we, we stop pretending it's all good. Um, that's kind of, one of been one of our taglines on the bracelets that a lot of us wear. Uh, it says, hey man, stop pretending it's all good. And so, yeah, I think there's so many things that, that bring guys to the point of depression. You know, we, we come at it from all different angles, just like the same for females. But I think that one of our biggest issues is that we just pretend it's all good and that needs to stop. Yeah, 100 percent. I think also I want to touch on like what you said at the end. I do also think there's a big correlation with like male friendships and just the stuff. I mean, granted, I, I'm not a dude, so I don't know what you guys talk about. But <laughs> I would imagine it's. As you mentioned, like I'll sit down with my friends and like have cry sessions and just granted that's also the type of friends I have, but I think, you know, just how rare it was for you to call your friend and say, I'm struggling, like it shouldn't be that rare. You know, like whenever something is not great in life, you should feel like it's okay to call a friend and be like, Yeah, my day wasn't great. Like X, Y, or Z happened. And so building a community that can like make space for those types of conversations is, is so admirable and yeah. it's obviously going to have a positive correlation to, you know, making men feel comfortable opening up and hopefully reducing all of these statistics that I just read off. I hope so. Yeah. That's, that's like my personal mission is to like help personally find a way to help reduce the male suicide rate, even if it's just by one person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the name, the guy talk company, you know, guy talk, it's sort of like a tongue in cheek, you know, look at what's traditionally guy talk. When you think about guy talk, it's that locker room stuff mm-hmm. that I was a part of for sure throughout high school and sports and, you know, college and then your twenties, you know, guys get together over beers. We're not, for the most part, we're not sitting around crying and talking about what's really going on. We're, you know, how many girls are you sleeping with? How much money are you making? You know, how awesome is your life? Well, I'm going to try to one up you, you know, that's, yeah. that unfortunately has kind of become part of the normal guy talk in quotes. And so I really felt felt called to call the, the, the community that we're building the Guy Talk Company because we want to rewrite what Guy Talk really is nowadays. Yeah, you're literally flipping it on its head. Yeah. I love that. So what advice would you give to someone, specifically a guy who's struggling with anxiety, depression, loneliness, or just feeling down? Yeah, I would say don't try to do it alone. And, and I say that, you know, I think we hear that a lot. You know, don't go through life alone. Reach out for help. And it's so much easier to say than it is to do. I fully empathize because I was in that situation. I know how hard it is to reach out for help for the first time, especially if you've, if you've gone your whole life not doing that or feeling like that was a weak thing to do. So I know how hard that is. Um, so I think a lot of times people are saying, you know, if you're really struggling, go talk to a therapist. I think that's you know, a, a, a direct correlation or a lot, of, a lot of advice people give. But I know, again, how hard that is. That was so intimidating to me to think, you know, that, that wasn't even like honestly like in my stream of consciousness when when I knew I was struggling I didn't think you know I should probably start thinking about talking to a therapist or seeking professional help that wasn't even on my radar you know all I was thinking about is the day-to-day how to get through the day 
Um, so the, the advice, I hate giving advice, but I, I would say what worked for me is just reaching out to that one or two, one or two people that you know, love and trust, you know, that are closest to you. Um, and just having that, you know, 15 seconds of courage to just say, when they say, Hey man, what's going on? Or how's life? Just say, honestly, I'm struggling. You know, all it takes a few seconds of courage to send that text or say that over the phone or in person. And from there, you know, hopefully that, that conversation will kind of snowball and you can start peeling back the layers. It'll take time. But I, I really think starting with the people closest to you and just, just owning up to the fact that I'm struggling just like everybody else that I know is struggling, you know? Yeah. I think the silver lining of COVID and like this is probably said so many times, but it's really made it a little bit more okay to not be okay. I mean, yeah. I, I like, I don't want to say joke about this because that sounds like I'm, you know, making light of COVID. Obviously that was a terrible time, but for me, I, I didn't have a terrible COVID experience. If anything, I like liked having time to reflect. I liked sit, being able to sit back and breathe. But I think it was the first time that a lot of people had to confront their anxiety and confront these things that they had been just shoving away by working more at like crazy hours at yeah. work and then going to the gym and then going and blacking out on the weekends. Like I think that for me and a lot of people I've interviewed weirdly enough who have anxiety or, or you know, go to therapists and are very self-aware. If anything, COVID didn't hit us as hard because we'd already done the work. Yeah. Was yeah. That, did you feel oh, similar? I, I, I agree. And I, I started going to therapy in August of 2019. Um, and I'm very grateful that I had been going to therapy because when COVID hit, therapists got super busy, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you're aware. And, uh, and so I was glad that I was already on a regular schedule every Friday talking with my therapist and I wasn't immune to the, the, the hardships of, of, you know, just literally being stuck by yourself with your own thoughts, you know, with the, with your inner critic, just like my inner critic, just chirping at me, you know, saying the nastiest things. Um, but I, I do know that I'm grateful that I started going to a therapist and I'm grateful that I still have a very close relationship with my therapist. Um, but I think to your point, like COVID exposed, exposed what's really going on to, you know, to the world, basically. I think a lot of us, myself included, you know, find outlets to, to mask or, or deflect what's really going on in our heads. You know, we go out, we, we socialize, we hang out with friends, we go to the gym, whatever, and all that stuff kind of distracts us from what's really going on. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it, it took shape in, you know, I'd hit the gym to, to stay healthy. I still do. But I, I use that too much as a crutch, I think. And then I also used very superficial relationships with females. You know, it's like very casual, like hookups and just like never feeling like I could really commit. But I used that as sort of a way to like distract myself from what was really going, going on in my head. Um, and so when COVID hits, you know, not only do you lose that social circle, but you're also literally sitting there oftentimes in silence with yeah. that inner critic chirping at you. And it's like, wow, it's time to get real with what's really going on. No, 100%. And on the flip side... What advice would you give to someone who received, you know, the call that other Grant received? Yeah. Um, obviously, it seems like he knew exactly what to say at the right time. But for someone who maybe doesn't know what to say or, you know, is caught off guard or so to whatever, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give, if anything, like what worked for you and, you know, what's worked for friends that have um, received similar or sent similar calls, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that I can, I feel like I can shed some light on this because through guy talk, you know, we've got 160 plus nationwide members. And so through that, I've had a lot of guys reach out to me, either members or non-members through you know, Instagram DMS, or they join, become a member and share their story back with me because I, you know, kind of led with mine. Um, so I have, 
you know, good news, bad news. I've been, I've been confronted with a lot of these conversations where guys are really, really struggling with things. Um, I say, I say good news, bad news, because I'm glad that they're sharing and opening up with me, but it's just more bad news. It's just a reminder that, you know, there's so many people out there hurting, so prevalent. And unfortunately it takes something like, you know, joining a group like this to, to feel come finally feel comfortable sharing it. So, um, yeah, I think early on in the early days of guy talk, I tried to, I tried to be a fixer, you know, I tried to, you know, okay, well let's, let's really kind of dive into the details here. I almost tried, I feel like I tried to be like an unofficial therapist, yeah. you know, and because I, I really wanted to help them, you know, and I thought that's what they needed me for was to help them through this. And I thought because I had gone through something kind of similar to them that I had some kind of like unique experience that I could share. What I've since learned is that, you know, leave that kind of stuff to the medical professionals or to the, to the trained professionals, you know, uh, now that I work with a therapist, I'm like, holy cow, like this guy knows what the heck he's doing. And mm-hmm. so I'm not going to try to step on his toes at all. Like I, I would love for everybody to go meet with a therapist and hopefully they find one they connect with. Um, but I think what I've learned is to just be a good friend and hopefully, you know, hopefully people know what that means. You know, nowadays I'm not sure if people know what it means to be a good friend, but for me, it means just listen and, and love, you know, and just, just be like, Hey man, I, I, that was really acknowledge the, the courage it took them to share that. I think that's the biggest thing say, man, that was, that was really hard. I'm sure to share. Um, but you know, let's get through this together. You know, like I'm on your, I got your back and I don't think you need to say specifics, you know, like, Hey, we're going to solve this today because you're not going to be able to solve it today. Yeah. I think just, just having you know that person knowing that you're there on their team in their corner, so to speak, I think will go a really long way. So don't put so much pressure on yourself would be my short answer. And just, just listen and love that friend. Love that. And last question before I wrap things up, if you could go back to yourself in January, 2019 yeah, and you know, say one thing or just a few things, what would you tell yourself at that point? Oh man. This is a hard question. It is a hard question. <laughs> um, but you know, there's so many, th- you know, things I would say, I would, I, would, I would try to find ways to like help myself, you know, love myself more, but I know that none of that would really like sink in because I was in such a dark place that like, you know, the, the normal advice wouldn't have really hit me. I think the, the most tangible thing I would have, I would have told that grant of January 2019 was that, Hey dude, if you take your life you know, in January here, what you don't know is uh, November of that same year, uh, your little nephew Brooks. So uh, my little nephew Brooks, that November, 10 months later, went into liver failure, emergency liver failure uh, back in Ohio. I ended up flying home to be with my family during that because within a matter of a week, he almost died in front of us at 17 months old. I ended up being his life-saving liver donor, transplant donor. I got the scar up the middle of my abdomen to, to, to prove Holy it. And shit. the Today Show did a whole story on it. Um, and yeah, and so what I would tell that grant is if you take your life and, and, and you know, you're not going to be around anymore, you're not going to be around to save Brooks 10 months later, your little nephew who you love so much. And so that, like, I still get like, I have chills I right now. I'm I have goosebumps. Like having goosebumps. And I think that to me, yeah, that to me was like the ultimate that transplant and you know, I got the tattoos, I got tattoos and necklaces with the date of it and everything. Like that was my, like my moment from whatever higher powers out there that was just like, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad you stuck around because I was able to be there for that little guy. Wow. Yeah. I have so many chills. That was really beautiful and powerful and I'm going to cry probably. <laughs> um, but wow. Okay. Anyways, I always wrap up with questions. I say there's unrelated, but there's always a you know link back to what we've talked about. First question being, 
now I feel like you could go anywhere with this. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? I would, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cliche, I think, to say, like, your lowest point is is your, your t- turning point that made you the strongest, but I think it's cliche for a reason, because it's so true. You know, I mm-hmm. think January 29, I would say, if I could sum it, I would say 2019, in, yeah. you know, all in, because it, was, it captured my low point. A few months later, it captured the launch of Guy Talk, which has turned, you know, it's evolved a bunch of times, but... You know, I just love this community of men that I'm a part of now. Um, and then it also, at the kind of the end cap of the year, was this this liver transplant, which not only, you know, helped save little Brooks's life, who's now just the happiest kid ever, but it also, it changed the, for the better, changed the dynamics of my entire family and, and our relationship together because of how that trauma brought us all together. So 2019 was, was the year. I, I will forever be so grateful for the ups and downs of that year. Yeah. Honestly, same. I feel like looking back, 2019 was a pretty, yeah. that's when I started um, Solace in the City as well. Oh, that's cool. And to kind of get spiritual, it's almost like a rebirth. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah, you, you, get to, it. you get to just sort of, you know, take a whole new path with your life. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Second question. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Ooh, good question. Yeah, I think the... I don't know about favorite favorite quote, um, but it, it's a it's a tagline that uh, you know Mike Posner, the singer rapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he he did a walk across America, I think in 2019 or 2020. Um, but at the end of every little post, it's all about basically like kind of like suicide prevention and just just being strong. But he would end every post, every video with "Keep going," and that's become like you know I, I was so inspired by his walk across America. I loved his music before, but once I learned kind of the depths of what he had been going through and struggling oh, with, I didn't you know, know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, look that up. He he had a whole kind of like renaissance himself, rebirth himself. Now he's like super spiritual and like does like climb climbs mountains and everything just to to kind of stretch himself. But uh, his big thing was keep going, and I've adopted that myself. You know, and that's that's we sign off on our podcast a lot of times. Um, I I remind myself all the time, just keep going, man, because it's so hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel a lot of days. You know, when things are really going wrong. But I, I'm a full believer that if you just keep going, put one foot in front of the other, you know, eventually you're going to see that light. I love that. I did not know that about Mike Posner. So I'm going to definitely be Googling that after. Yeah, check that out. Um, what do you love most about yourself? I love that I love myself now, you know, and it, isn't, it doesn't happen every single day. It, it's not easy, but I love that through therapy and through just kind of exploring everything that's happened in my life and the, the false stories I've been telling myself for so many years. I love that I've kind of worked through those and understand them now. Where they're always going to be there. Those parts of me will always be there. The inner critic in my head will always be there kind of chirping at me when it, when it can. Um, but I love that I've gotten to a place now where I can kind of zoom out from all that and be like, you know what, Grant? Like, I fucking love you, man. You're, you're a good guy. And I just like can give myself almost like a hug, you know? And, and I think that it took me 30 years to get there, but it, it feels really good loving yourself. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's, it takes work, but it's awesome when you feel like, you know, that work is paid off. Yeah, absolutely. And last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be, Ooh. you know, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's pretty relevant because, you know, moved here to Austin, you're know, looking out, out your window here at the beautiful skyline of Austin yeah. <laughs> and it can be overwhelming. It can, you know, a city can be a lot of things. I think to a lot of people, you know, it can be exciting. It can be intimidating. I think for me, finding solace in the city, I actually have, feel like I have to get outside of the city, um, and I'm really focusing big on getting off of social media, especially on Saturdays. I try to get off my phone completely and just go out in nature with friends, and that's how I find solace. Just getting back to nature without my phone, without social media, 
yesterday I did like a 10 mile uh, paddle board down the Guadalupe river down like in San Marcos with oh, buddies. That's so cool. And it just, I came back just feeling so full. It took like six or seven hours, but I came back just feeling just so like full of life and recharged. And so I try to do that at least once a week. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a huge, I, I came from literally the concrete jungle and yeah. so even downtown Austin is like plenty of outdoor space, yep. at least for now, just being able to go by Ladybird and um, today I'm going to the Green Belt and just like hiking and seeing seeing things aside from buildings is so great yep so grant thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really appreciate you and everything you're doing where can everyone like find you learn about more about you and guy talk um apply to join the community if they're interested yeah for sure uh well i'm i'm personally not on my own instagram right now and i may never get back on my personal instagram but i think I, what I would like to do is direct people to my Instagram if they want to watch that Today Show article because if you want a good cry and yeah, you want some definitely. inspiration, they did a wonderful job with the story of me and my nephew. But at uh, Grant Mosier, G-R-A-N-T-M-O-S-H-E-R on Instagram is my personal page. And then uh, you can find uh, the community, the Guy Talk company at guytalk.co, guytalk.co. That's our web address. That's our Instagram. You can find everything about uh, everything we're working on, including our end of summer camp event that we're kicking off uh, end of September we're bringing together, you know, hopefully 50 plus guys uh, in a Zilker Lodge in Zilker Park. Do you know Zilker Lodge? No. It's it's a kids summer camp. It's a beautiful like five year old lodge. There. It's bunk beds, everything oh you God, need for so summer fun. camp. I'm trying to bring that. Well, I'm not. I'm not trying. We're literally. We already have registrations going uh, for for adult men. You know, just kind of a throwback to childhood and having real conversations and just having fun. So I love that. It's like fire festival was like chaotic good yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's like taking all the things that we love about big concerts and festivals and just kind of stripping it stripping it down to the basics of no phone just get out run barefoot and, and play kickball with your buddies and stuff so i'm really excited about it oh that's awesome yeah. well thank you again and bye everyone bye